0: O'clock. I'm your host, Mary Copeland, and this infotainment podcast is about How to Live Your Best Life Now and Well into Retirement. We'll discuss topics in financial planning, housing, and insurance. We'll talk wellness, relationships, and leisure activities. A full, active life requires planning for your goals and preparing for the unexpected. I'll introduce you to a variety of guests from knowledgeable experts, to folks sharing stories of their life experiences and so much more, because life is big. All is intended to help guide you in planning for what you need now and at any age. Like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Today, my guest is the dynamic and energetic Ricky Seitz. Ricky was a medic and pharmacist in the Air Force, married into a construction family and made a career combining the two disciplines. Her primary role was design and construction management for hospitals, prisons, and airports. Ricky, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Mary. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, good. Um, Today, you and I are going to talk about creating a care system for oneself for your senior years and what does this mean or look like to you? And I've had an extensive conversation with you about this, and I just thought I should definitely bring you onto the show so that you could share this with others. So I'm just going to jump right in and start with my first question, if that's okay with you. That so, sounds good. Okay, here we go. When did you come up with this idea that you need a care system for yourself? Were you in your 40s, your 50s? What what prompted all of this?
1: Um, Working in the medical industry, you see people of all ages having all kinds of situations and difficulties, but I didn't really think about it in terms of myself until I hit the Medicare age and then realized that we're working with insurance. I had no idea how it really worked and uh, what kinds of things I had witnessed that could happen to people both in my family and in my profession. And I decided this is time to start taking this a little bit more seriously, but not seriously enough that I did anything until I was probably 70. (laughs) That's where we are now. I'm nearly 80. Give me 10 more days and I'm there. And so I need to tell you how that was working as well.
0: I think we're going to save that for another podcast of how you look so fabulous and what you do to look so great and stay so healthy, but happy birthday to you. Um, Thank you. So I believe during your professional career, you had a couple of jobs that might have contributed to your personal care system planning process. So tell us how those jobs play a role in your personal care system.
1: Okay, I, what I did start out as was a medic, of course, in the Air Force. And then when I married into the uh, construction family business, I became a partner over a number of years and um, experienced what has to happen in residential living, as well as in some of the commercial settings, such as a hospital or medical clinic. In that process, I decided I needed to take a more active role in how our physical surroundings actually affect us and how we affect them in our medical concerns and our health. So I think in those two ways, I was very fortunate in being able to work in design and construction in my careers and leading some programs for hospitals, airports, and prisons all of which have a lot in common. They are small cities, every one of them. They operate independently and they are self-contained and they have to deal with people of all capabilities and medical and physical requirements. I find that that really helped me in thinking through the process of what do you need to do as you get older and have compromised health situations.
0: Okay, so while you were working, you were already implementing these, you were noticing these ideas, and you were figuring out how to implement them into your career, into the jobs that you were doing, so that it benefited others, and then it's come kind of full circle that you're like, oh, I need to apply this to my personal life now.
1: Exactly. Okay.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So, um. I kid my husband and I'm always like, where are we going to live when we grow up? So my question (laughs) to you is, how did you
1: decide? I'm going to tell you, don't grow up. Now, that's the the first rule. The first rule is just don't grow up. You only live once and you may as well be a YOLO person and just go for it. So um, as we move into these things, you think ahead, you think positively about what can happen, but you better prepare for the kind of negative as well. You know, the, the eventualities that can happen, like your eyesight goes or your physical capabilities, your arthritis takes over or something of that nature. You fall going down hills, and then that does incapacitate you. So you need to have things in place so you're not always responding to an emergency, but you don't ever say, what am I going to be when I grow up? You say, don't grow up and then you'll be fine.
0: (laughs) I love that philosophy. So why don't we um, um, share with the folks, how did you decide where you wanted to live and thrive in your senior years? You know, what were the driving decision makers? For some people it could be that they wanna be by a hospital, for others, they wanna be by a beach or a city. What were yours? Um,
1: It was trial and error, Mary. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, you you can try things out, they don't all work, but that's okay. (laughs) Then you find out what doesn't work and what will work for you. There are limiting factors such as money and financial situations. And what's available in your uh, community, whether it's in the U.S. or other places, and I have lived in South America and Australia, and in Europe, and things are different. What is available to you, wherever you are physically, is going to have an impact on what your decision-making is going to be. We decided, to go to Ecuador and try retirement there. Mm -hmm. We loved it. We built a house there. We spent two years and decided we just couldn't live without having our kids nearby. Now that's a big issue. Mm -hmm. We came back to the US and um, I will say that the medical care we received in South America, far exceeded in in value and quality than what we get here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding also that if medical care is important to you, ours, our systems are failing. So you need to start thinking about what can you do for yourself and put yourself in a situation where you can take care and control your own healthcare situations. And I think healthcare is a big issue after you're a certain age when it never has been before. So you're thinking new thoughts, you're thinking brand new ideas. And having worked in the area with the um, hospitals in particular and the handicap issues and those kinds of things, and having also worked on handicap codes myself, uh, they're they're okay, but they're not great. So you need to think about what can I do? So when we were looking around about what do we want to do with our new found freedom as being retired, you don't have to get up every morning at 5 a.m. and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's great, honestly great. And um, you say, okay, what am I going to do? What's important to me? Is it my health? Is it my community? Is it my social setting? Is it my family? Is it my money? Is it any one of these things? But your value systems change. And so you need to sit down, write down, what are my value systems today? What impacts them? And then try to arrange or give it a try anyway, a system, a physical system that's going to work for you financially and mentally. And so we, here we are. We've built two houses since living in Ecuador. And um, we are now in a community that's over 55 community. And I never, ever envisioned myself in an over 55 community. I thought it was very restrictive. You don't have any kids around. What are you going to do? I love it. Anyway, so we're in this over 55 community. There's about 200 and some houses here. We all have a little bit of land. Not much, but we have some. But the interesting thing is the people here are very unique. They all have a new story. They all have experiences from their past but they aren't living in the past. And that's what I like. Because they, they take those experiences and they're expanding on them. We laugh about them. We talk about them. Socializing is very informal here. It's mostly done with dog walking down the middle of the street. And um, people just care for one another. It's a very pleasant community. And I love living here. And um, we have groups that we belong to. I didn't anticipate we would have so much going on. There are card groups. There are writing groups. I belong to a memoirs writing uh, class. I belong to another writing group, just because I like to write. I'm also a member of the Biker Babes and I'm sorry. And we have, um, I'm sorry. And we have the biker babes um, have three wheelers. So we all get together and ride around and toast each other and have a drink of champagne out in the driveway or something like that. It's it's a lot of fun, keeps us active. The guys um, generally stick together and have their walks around the neighborhood with their walkers, their canes, whatever and they look at each other's old cars and they ride motorcycles. I I mean, it's just a nice community of people enjoying their age and accepting the limitations and helping other people. But I think at our age, we now learned how to accept who we are. We're not trying to be the president or the head honcho or competitive in that regard. It's just a sharing community. So that has been a wonderful experience for me and for my husband. This is a strange thing when you get the men and the women both enjoying the same kind of a community. That's been important.
0: Well, when you're in a relationship, a marriage or a partnership, um, it has to benefit both. It can't be it one-sided. Does. And if I, in summary of what you just told us all, you know, your driving forces, your decision-makers where you wanted to be by family, you needed to accept, um, think about what your values were. And you did, you had several trial and errors and (laughs) you have been now in, you bought a home in a manufactured, a manufactured home in a 55 and older community. I believe you're in Squim. And um, you have talked to me about, and you just told everybody too, that, you know, when you first lived there, the one thing that you haven't shared was you now know that your neighbors are like-minded and that they're professionals with um, colorful careers to share with you. And you form these allegiances and clubs. And I would, you could be triker babes if you have a 3 wheeler.
1: (laughs) that's a good thing but it's hard to find a line a sign that says
0: triker babes we found the signs that said biker babes but when you when you bought into that community i'm going to guess that at first you didn't know that um you were going to have all of that at first is that correct you didn't know you were going to have that socialization aspect because had you how do you meet somebody like Um, I don't want to go on about this because I have a few more questions for you, but if you go to an assisted living community, you do a tour there. Did you do some kind of tour at the the Parkwood Estates?
1: No, um, not really. Not like a tour. What? I I did some research, of course. You know, just looking at the age group that lived here. I drove through a few times to see what the environment was looking like, that type of thing. Um, And since I've been in the business of construction, that type of thing, I looked to see what the codes were, the county codes nearby, whether the you know we end up having. Um, a storage unit or a swimming pool in our backyard from somebody adjacent to us. And those types of things, just to be sure that the environment that I was buying into wasn't going to have the opportunity to change radically afterward. Gotcha. And, you know, we're in uh, farmland, basically, surrounding us.
0: And when you do the research... Um, you also knew that there was a clubhouse there, so it opened the door yes. for you to make those new connections. So,
1: interestingly enough, Mary, uh, none of my connections were made through the clubhouse. Hmm. Well, then it's the- all been done by walking your dog down the street. Okay, and saying hello <laughs> to mean, your neighbor. Yeah, it's a very friendly community. Everybody stops to say hello. You know, lots of people have a dish in front of their house with a dog dish with water in it so that when people walk their dogs up and down, they can stop and let their dogs have a drink. I mean, it's that. And then people chat at the community mailboxes. Okay. Um, There's, you know, there's just this very informal network. I can give you one example. There was a gal who is an author, a published author on the bestseller list who lived here for several years. And um, last year is about one, not quite a year ago, she died of pancreatic cancer. She didn't know she had it until about one month before she died. And she was not too well known in the neighborhood, although she ran her own little private newspaper around in the neighborhood. And um, when we found out she had it, uh, the outpouring was amazing. People were taking turns staying with her overnight. People basically ran her hospice program from here, from within. We handled the, she had no family here nearby, nothing. And the whole community just kind of turned out and took care of her. So I just have to say, you know, um, I'll give you an example. My husband, who's a retired attorney, wrote wrote a will for her immediately so she could sign it before she died. Uh, another gal um, went and cleaned house. Everybody in the community would bring by soup or whatever she wanted to eat. And it was just generally that's how it works.
0: So it was, it's so about it's, community. It's community. It is. It is. I have a few more questions for you and um, our clock is clicking. <coughs> so I want to make sure that I'm able to tap into all of your knowledge to share with the others, if that's okay. Yeah. So we have an idea already of what you do to keep your mind and body active and healthy. And you're definitely the poster child um, for 60s. It's the new 80s. So you've shared that. No, 80s 80s are the new 60s. Let's go that way. There, did I, I, said, <laughs> I said that backwards? Thank you but in your in the home that you're in right now, um was it structurally perfect for you to work with your personal care plan, or have you had to make any changes, and what were those and just give us a uh, okay,
1: I have made some I have made some major changes here um, the physical setting is good, but it wasn't excellent or it wasn't going to be totally satisfactory for what we were going to be needing and a lot of people our age first of all we moved into a home that's about 27 years old Mm -hmm. it had wall-to-wall carpeting it had it did have a ramp to the front door which is you know one of those things we all worry about steps and that type of thing Um, but the rest of it was just designed with the in a kind of a thoughtless way And so one of the design criteria that we did look for and is available here is that we had a bedroom and a bathroom at two ends of the house. And therefore we looked at it as this is a house where we know the government system will not take care of us at home. We don't want to be in an assisted living or nursing home. We have some things we didn't want to do. And so we needed to, Uh, accommodate a situation where you might have a caretaker live at your home and stay in your home. Mm -hmm. And hopefully the reimbursement rules will change over years when they discover that this is a lot less expensive than putting people into assisted living. And uh, so we have now um, remodeled a portion of the house. We're still remodeling. Um, to add another outside front door, mm-hmm. we have put in a new deck. We have taken out all of the wall-to-wall carpeting and put in a uh, plank uh, vinyl floors, so that you can move a wheelchair or a walker through the house without difficulty. And um, we, I have replaced. Major counters in the kitchen. We are redoing one entire bathroom to make it more handicapped accessible. And we are adding a half a bath. So, those are the kinds of ways that we have determined we can split our house in two almost Mm -hmm. and have living quarters at both ends with a central kitchen. And uh, even put a wet bar into one end to make a mini kitchen if you wanted to divide it off altogether. And to do a stacked washer dryer at one end next to a shower so that you have complete, you can have complete and separate living quarters if you want. Or there's a passageway that's just between the two and you have outside access for both, backyards for both front yards for both and you are not really creating a duplex you're creating what's allowed here which is caretaker and so you have a caretaker unit (laughs) brilliant that's what and then the other thing i would like to suggest to people who are thinking about trying to remodel their home for living in forever if you'll concentrate on your kitchen and your bathroom more than likely and in that case, don't do so many built-ins. Only do build ins where you have fixed items like sinks and stoves where you need to have electrical and or gas and water connections. Put everything else on wheels. And if you put wheels under all of your cabinets, and you can put them wherever you want, and if they're in the way of any of your walking devices or your a, a, you know mobilization devices move them just shove them out of the way so i believe in wheels okay. and i also believe in working hard and this is my next project on the wheelchair industry to reduce the width of wheelchairs so they fit through a 26 inch door which is standard on interior doors and you don't have to redo your entire house. And I also want this wheelchair to have a seat that is on a lift so that rather than having to lower your cabinets, you raise the seat with a lever or something. And you could even have it on a swivel so that if you needed to go up alongside of a cabinet, you could. I think that um, we go to the moon we may as well figure out how to run a wheelchair. And that's my next project.
0: <laughs> and I'm sure there's more than that project um, in the works. So, right yeah. now we have two minutes left before we okay. have to, um, end our podcast and say goodbye to our listeners. So, um, do you have any last words of advice for our listeners to help them age safely and gracefully? You've given them so many tips so far. Is there anything else you want to share?
1: Yes, I want to share. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. You can always fix it. That's the way I would rather do things. So go for it and have a good time doing it. And then when it doesn't work out, oh, go hit the wine bottle and come back later and try again. (laughs) Okay, Those are my words of advice. Don't let the medicines get you down. Stay off as many as you can and just go relax a little. Sometimes life is coming to you. You don't always have to go to it. And I think it would be fun.
0: Thank you. Um, Ricky, you have shared your personal journey with us and how you approach life through its different stages. And you've totally taken control and you are totally living it to its fullest and enjoying it. And I love your philosophy on that. And I thought it was really great that you took time out of your very happy, busy schedule to share all of that with me and the listeners. So thank you so much. And um, for our listeners, I do hope you will listen to this brilliant advice that Ricky has shared with all of us and go enjoy life you know that's why we're here it's about living life and enjoying it and yes there will be some obstacles in the way at times we will make mistakes but we can overcome those it's mind over matter and have a great day and until next week thank you so much for listening see you soon